1: The title of today's broadcast is this, We Are Being Watched from Heaven. This week, we're continuing to work on a foundation to help us relate to ourselves biblically. Let's begin. Please pray along with the psalm. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O lord my rock and my redeemer rightly interpreting scripture requires reverent caution first we have to try to understand the words that are used however the context of each word helps determine the words meaning at the same time the meaning of words provides the context it is a delicate balance prayer helps study helps when i encourage us to seek to please god's indwelling presence i am expressing a conviction that the god of abraham isaac and jacob lives in us not only that but he lives in us in a special way He is our God. He is our intimate friend. In the incarnation, our God experienced things in a new way. His self-limitation reached new heights. He now has first-hand knowledge of weakness, temptation, hunger, faith, pain, rest, perplexity, Relief, hope, things like that, things which are unique to that which is human. And now, our God determined to join himself to us in such a vital union that he has become especially aware of and vulnerable to how we think, how we feel, how we decide. This is nothing new, but the way in which he has chosen to do this is unique in his relationship with humanity. Nothing new? I suppose that's true. Here is the description of Israel's trials in the wilderness. It It is a pattern for his relationship to every believer. Reading from Isaiah 63 verse 9. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his mercy he redeemed them, and he lifted them and carried them all the days of old. Repeating, in all their afflictions he was afflicted. He identifies with us and feels what we feel. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 7, in the gospel of John chapter 1 verse 14, we find that he came to know life as a human being. And through that trial, he is empathetic regarding our temptations and sins in a way that would have been impossible beforehand. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 reads... For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews chapter five verses seven through eight. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Remember, we're reading about, we're listening to verses about God incarnate, the empathetic one, the one who understood human anguish. He weeps with those who weep. Look at Lazarus' tomb. He wept there. He rejoices with those who rejoice. Remember Cana's feast. And he lives within us. He does not want us to view him as distant from us. In fact, he is so united and identified with us that the way we experience life impacts him. Our most intimate encounters with God are with the indwelling presence. We are the living houses of the triune God. It is worth meditating upon these thoughts from the Gospel of John. John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. In John chapter 14, earlier, verse 17b, you know him, speaking of the spirit of truth, because he, the spirit of truth, abides with you, and the spirit of truth will be in you. God is dwelling within us. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, it speaks of the Messiah dwelling in our hearts through faith. Where is God living? Where is he manifest to us? By spirit-enhanced faith, God dwells in the core of our being. Now I want to provide some balance. I'm certain that Psalm 19's petition... May the words of my mouth and my heart's deepest thoughts give your presence pleasure. I'm certain that petition was not written with that type of proximity, God within us, in mind. Although David was anointed with the Spirit, God for him was primarily an external reality. That is the spatial context and the relational dynamic in which the psalmist participated. To get a feel for that, please read this dynamic paraphrase. God, you see me from your heavenly sanctuary and from your earthly tabernacle. I appear before your throne. May the words of my mouth and my heart's deepest thoughts give your presence pleasure. That's sort of how David experienced God from without. This is an understanding we must not lose. I don't remember who wrote this, but I recall someone describing God as, quote, infinitely high and imminently nigh. Close quote. He is both transcendent and personally present the Eternal One, declared himself to be that way in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 23. Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Please consider this. The God who indwells us primarily exists outside us. Compared to all that is, we are minuscule. Meanwhile, He fills heaven and earth. He is God most high. His throne's location is in the highest sphere of the created heavenly realms. That is the actual center of everything that has been created. Obviously, Jesus does not just live in our hearts. His location is variously described as before the Father's throne, Daniel seven, verse thirteen, Revelation chapter five, verses six and seven. His location is described as seated with the Father on the throne, Revelation three, twenty-one. At he is described as being at the right hand of the Father, Acts chapter seven, verse fifty-five, and in Hebrews chapter one, verse eight, He is described as being enthroned in his own right. He does not just live in our hearts. God's word describes his location. And all this illumination about God's location is intended to help us appreciate the glorified Messiah's identity, role, and external reality. Let's agree That God is watching us from the outside of us. He is, if we were to coin a name, Jehovah aware of us. Adonai aware of us. Psalm 53 verse 2a, it's written, God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men. He's still doing it. Psalm 113, verse 6 reports that the Lord our God, quote, "...stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth." That's from the Holman translation. Here's a sample of how this is translated. New American Standard, he humbles himself to behold. The New English translation, he bends down to look. The Lexham English Bible He condescends to look. From his transcendent height, God is motivated by love to the degree that he embraces humility so as to gaze upon and inspect his creation. From outside of us, he is aware of what is going on inside of us. That is an aspect of his omniscience and omnipresence. Psalm 33 verses 13 through 15 reads like this. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all their works. Biblically, a mystery is revealed. The omniscient one is able to concentrate and think. He is concerned about our motives. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9a As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind For the Lord searches all the hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. Biblically, the omnipresent one is able to localize and focus his presence. Consider the bush, the mount, and the dedication of the temple. Exodus chapter 3 verse 2, the burning bush. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Consider the mount, Exodus 19, verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked violently. Consider omniscience located in the temple. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13b and 14. Then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with the cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. God is able, he is well able to reveal his fullness within space and time. Consider the Messiah, of whom it is written in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, In him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Consider his body, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22c and 23, It's written the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Not only his presence, but his attention can be concentrated. Biblically, our God searches things out and personally inspects them. I'm reading three verses now. Psalm 11 verse 4. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. In Genesis 18, well, two verses, verses 20 and 21, the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 3. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Not only can his presence be located and concentrated, but his presence, attention can also be concentrated and god this god dwells within us and at the same time he observes us from heaven listen he has purposely placed his presence within each of us in a manner that makes a way for him to experience us from the inside he knows how we feel Our thoughts and motives affect his emotions. And it is with these factors in mind that I encourage you to pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Or perhaps work with today's paraphrase in prayer. God, you see me from your heavenly sanctuary and from your earthly tabernacle. I appear before your throne. May the words of my mouth and my heart's deepest thoughts give your presence pleasure. As God answers that prayer, we can meditate upon how our motives and words might bless God, because it's true. We are being watched from heaven, but he has also located his presence within us he not only experiences us from the outside, he experiences us intimately from within our very being.
0: Love and War is written and presented by David Harwood. Editing is by David and Sammy Avino, who is also the producer and technical advisor for the podcast. David is the pastor of Restoration Fellowship in Glencove, New York, and the author of the books God's True Love and For the Sake of the Fathers. To purchase copies of David's books, please go to loveofgodproject.org. The theme song for this podcast is Skirmish, from the album Combustion, which was written and performed by Leonard Jones. Additional episodes of Love and War can be downloaded on the Podbean app or through iTunes. For more information on Love and War, Restoration Fellowship, God's True Love, or For the Sake of the Fathers, visit us on restorationfellowshipny.com, loveofgodproject.org, Book.fortheSakeOfTheFathers.com, or you can follow us on Facebook at Restoration Fellowship NY, Love of God Project, Love and War DH, and For the Sake of the Fathers. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email David at Love and War underscore DH. At yahoo.com. As always, please remember to share Love and & War and support us by leaving a positive review on iTunes and Podbean.